you, with you, with you, with you, with you. With Welcome you, to With You, you a women's rugby you, community with podcast. With you. I'm Suze. With you. I use she, her pronouns, and I'll be with your host. You. Always with you. I think that's what we all learned in 2020 is that no rugby sucks. Yeah. No option to play sucks. Welcome back for episode 14 of With You. Thank you all for being here. This episode is a two-part so we'll have our first half with Smarto today and next week for the season finale. We'll hear the end of our conversation. She is a wealth of knowledge and enthusiasm for the game. Got to give her a big shout out for putting in all the work, directing for the NCR and really helping collegiate rugby reorganize. We all have to recognize how much the collegiate game has given us. It's been the way so many women's rugby players have found the sport. And uh, I hope this conversation piques your interest. My name is Angela Smarto, but everyone just calls me Smarto. And my pronouns are she, her. I always tell people that it's my only hobby, which is true. Like I don't crochet and I don't garden or, you know, grow tomatoes. I don't like do any of that. I really just do rugby 24-7. I am the women's director of National Collegiate Rugby, with that also the commissioner of our D1 competition, which is our top competition. I'm still the women's collegiate coordinator for the Allegheny Rugby Union and our all-star coordinator, which are jobs I had previously. And I'm also currently the head coach of Robert Morris University. I'm the only head coach they've ever had. I started the program in 2014. It's been a long journey. There's definitely ups and downs with it. When I started, I had a lot more time to dedicate to them. They're actually, of all people, they get the least amount of my time now, which is kind of a bummer for them. I got some good assistance this year, which always helps. I've had assistance on and off that have helped me through it. But, you know, we have a good time. We're not, you know, I always joke, like, whatever my rugby accomplishments have ever been doesn't necessarily fully translate to them. They have a great time, though. Um, They have a lot of fun. We don't, like, win a lot. But we definitely, we laugh a lot and we eat a lot of gummy snacks. That's for sure. It's supposed to be fun. You know, whatever level, like if you're not having fun, like it's not, it's not going to be longevity. Like what you said, it's not going to make it. I mean, this is like year 15 for me, I guess. I started uh, just like as a, you know, walk up on rookie rugby day as a freshman in college. I just happened to go to Penn State and I just happened to walk on to one of the best college teams that there's ever been. So I do, I always say that, like, I firmly believe that if I would have gone anywhere, I probably would have found rugby. Like, if I had just gone to a state school in Pennsylvania or somewhere, I think I would have found the rugby team. But I wanted to go to Penn State. And so I went there. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to go to Penn State. I actually uh, tried out for the marching blue band as a freshman and didn't make it. So I got cut from the blue band. I wasn't good enough. Um, It was really hard. You want to talk about like really intense tryout situations. It was like really intense. And I didn't make it. And then I didn't really have anything else to do. But I was just like used to being super involved as a high schooler. And I was like, I got to do something. Went to Rookie Rugby Day with a friend. And I have been pretty much obsessed since then. And so, you know, just like took a pretty normal route. Played in college. I was an officer for the team. After I graduated, I moved home back to Pittsburgh, joined the club there because, like, what else was I going to do? I was fortunate to join a team that was also peaking in performance. So 
with the Pittsburgh Angels. We won back-to-back D2 national championships, and that was fun to be a part of. And then once I was with Pittsburgh, I remember being at a team meeting, and one of my teammates was like, oh, you went to Penn State. You know how to do things. You're our fundraiser chair now. And I was like, what? And I was trying to, like, not do it because, like, I am a joiner, and, like, I know that, and I try to, like, at meetings be like, no, 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 don't pick me. Someone else can do it because, like, if I'm going to do it, like, I'm going to, like, we're going to go all in. But what's good is it gave me a lot of time to practice administrating at a club level, which is, like, pretty intense. I think club administrating is very intense. It's, you know, it's an everyday thing. And then I got involved with the local, the the conference to start helping with that. I've been doing that for a long time. And then when it came time for, you know, NCR to happen, I was asked if I wanted to be a part of it because of the things that I had done and things that I know how to do. So I said, you know, let me talk about it with my wife, because if I do one more rugby thing, I don't really know. I think she's going to kill me. But, you know, we went for it, and now we're here. I've, I've certainly known some people to uh, have their relationships and marriages stressed by rugby, but um, you just can't help. But, I mean, we just love it so much. It's the kind of thing that grabs you and never lets go. And it's wonderful that you had like you didn't you didn't even go looking for that NCR spot that you were given the opportunity like it came to you because of the work you were already putting into the community and I don't know it just seems like a really beautiful alignment of things giving back of rugby giving back I guess well it's nice because like I said most like that's like a really fresh take because most of the time if you're an administrator you got pointed to at a meeting right and it's like you do it you like I remember we had at a Penn State election, so like to be a club officer, it took four hours. We had to have two meetings because you had to win by a majority. And there were so many people who wanted to do it that you had to vote out people one at a time. And it literally took four hours to pick five officers, the year, like the year that I got started. And that's the only time I've ever experienced that. And then in other organizations, it's like you're begging people to be your treasurer. You are begging people to run your Instagram. And it's really hard to, you know, people who want to fill those spots. So when someone calls you and says like, you know, hey, I think you can do this. We're picking you not because you're the only one who will, but because maybe you're like the only one who can. I was like, I was like, I don't really know. Like, we're all going to find out together. We have a joke when, against you know, with my friends who I coach with sometimes and for the all-star teams, and they'll be like, oh, my God, that was so hard, and you made us play this team that was so hard, and blah, 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 blah. And they'll be like, but did you die? Well, no. Okay, then quit complaining. You know, like, maybe you weren't ready. There was no way you were going to know until you tried, and you just have to be always willing to be uncomfortable and to just see what you can do. Cause it's really easy to just like, you know, rest in your laurels or whatever, but I'm a hyper competitive person. I am drawn to hyper competitive environments often because like, Oh, it's about, it's kind of about winning. So you have to keep winning ultimately. And that's how you do it. Part one overview. The fall season, fall 2021 was our first real competitive cycle with league division with league play 
leading to regional, leading to a national championship. What kind of territory does NCR cover right now? We're the largest uh, member organization. We're just shy of 500 clubs between men and women. What's the best way to describe this? So let's say most of the, what you would probably call the East Coast, kind of through the Mid-Atlantic, the Great Lakes area, out to like Great Plain, like the Plains, Central America-ish. And then um, some teams on the West Coast with some other teams in between. We have just over 50% of college women's rugby is under our jurisdiction. And for the men, it's closer to like 75, 80% of jurisdiction of all college clubs. And you're dealing, you're dealing with all the structure of competitive seasons and national level competitions as well. Like you were describing, trying to integrate Enscrow colleges with the bigger clubs to figure out where people fit, like where clubs fit and where they can have good competition. Is this fall the first time that you guys have jumped in to tackle that? That, that seems like a huge task. Yeah, so this was our first competitive cycle, so fall of 2021. So in the spring of 2021, we did revive and run the CRC for the first time. For the first time, in, there was a little hiatus for two years, uh, but now you know we are the proprietors of the CRC. So we did run it in the springtime, but it was it was more invitational and it was kind of a who can get there kind of thing because a lot of teams weren't able to play. And that was for sevens and we'll be doing that again this spring. You're, we're still just like a pretty I, relatively young organization. So, you know, if we go back a little bit, so we're kind of in this new world order of rugby coming out of, we're calling, you know, we're, I'm going to call it post 2020 because it's not really post pandemic or post COVID because fun fact, that's still happening. So that's still like an adapting world. Um, but like 2020 was like a pretty big year for rugby for a lot of reasons. One was because obviously because of COVID and because of this pandemic. And at the time, you know, it was, you know, you're kind of an information overload and you're like, okay, we just, you know, we're going to stay home and watch Tiger King and we'll go back to normal for the fall. Um, but then that didn't happen. Um, the other big event of that year was the USA rugby bankruptcy. And if you're not a corporate lawyer, I found it's like very difficult to follow that because I am a teacher, like, and I'm not, you know, business lingo and business structuring and things like that's not my, you know, that's not my expertise. So following the details of things like that, honestly, are like kind of overwhelming. So it's, it's a little difficult to understand when, you know, if we're talking about, you know, millions of dollars are at stakes and all this stuff. And I think it's just like, there's just so much going on. And people kind of forget that that happened, but there's like a whole new organizational structure within our national governing body. And that really affects not only how this, it affects the senior game and the high school game. And then the college game is probably the most, the closest to the wild, wild west. Um, Cause there's just a lot more fracturing than there are in other groups. And that's kind of where we are, you know, as you know, outlaws or whatever, as we're all kind of trying to, manage manage this new world that we're finding ourselves in 
because um, all like the other groups, the senior rugby and high school and youth, and then even and the internationals, you know, our national teams, they're all, you know, everyone's in their own little silos and has all of rugby problems are the same. Um, and then it just depends on which silo, like kind of, you know, is it money? Is it people? Is it time? Like everyone's problems are all the same. Um, but there's more in the college game specifically, there's a lot of divergent ideas about how it should be run. So that's kind of where we're finding ourselves now and establishing who gets to run what. That's kind of who wants to run what. That's kind of where we're at because, you know, the championships of the past was run by, you know, the USA Rugby office in Colorado, and that's just not how it's structured anymore. It's like that part of it is uh, outsourced. And in my conference, we've run a fall sevens competition for the last It's like a double-edged sword, and we're always trying to balance this. We're like, it's good because what are the alternatives? The alternatives are you don't if you don't play sevens, you don't play at all, and then your team dies, and that's dumb, right? So I don't – that's bad. But then also without – with this other option, our team's – never going to recruit enough to ever play 15s. They'll always just have 10 because that's kind of all we need. But on the other hand, like sevens is in the Olympics and it's like a totally valid way to play rugby. So uh, there's all these kind of like, you go back and forth on the seesaw and it's like, well, yeah, what if you're like a true front row forward type like me or you, and you show up because you want to play rugby, you want to play 15s. And it's like, we're going to play this game that's based entirely in speed. And you're like, well, Christ, I don't know how that's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, if I would have showed up to a team, you know, and maybe, but it's like, it's different, but it's a great way to introduce players to the game. They, I think the best, my favorite part about sevens is because the games are short, you have an opportunity to take them off the field mm-hmm. in like a round robin. They come off and then you could talk to them and they can watch someone else play. Like, especially for new players, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I see it now. Like, I get it now. Yeah, and then they te- can go. It's a good way to teach. Mm-hmm. Like some basics, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like, you know, how how much there's a lot of arguments about how you coach sevens. I mean, for us, it's like, I'm like, you're an athlete. When you get the ball in your hand, go be an athlete. Yeah. I'm not going to teach, like, we're going to work on that, but I'm going to teach you how to be safe in contact. That's, like, what my main focus is. And then when you have the ball in your hands, like, go have fun. Yeah, go have fun. So spring of 2021, a first CRC competitive sevens tournament. We're going to gonna have another one here in 2022. And this fall was the first 15s under NCR coming back as well. So that's a big, that's really quite an accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah. Handing out a national championship trophy is very cool. I would recommend it to anyone given if you are given the opportunity. Um, I did, I, um, I broke a trophy. I would not recommend that to anyone (laughs) to, you saw it on the video. I had to apologize on the live stream. I'm sorry, Wayne state rugby. Um, it just, uh, in, there was a piece that was defective. We had to ship them a new thing because it was just defective and it was fine. Mm-hmm. It was fine. And then like you get all excited. And then I put it down to like hand Jesse, our small college coordinator, other things. And then when I put it down, um, you know how trophies are held together with that, like all rot, like that rod through the middle, that's all screwed on. It just mm-hmm. popped out 
Oh my gosh. Like 45 seconds before we were supposed to hand it to them. Ah! And I like started to panic. I was panicking and this trophy was, is a lidded cup. So it had all these pieces. I was trying to get back on and I'm panicking. And some of the Atlanta Harlequins were there. Um, they helped us in our broadcast and they came out to like give away prizes and stuff, which was really cool. Um, but she was, she was like, it's okay, Smarter, you got it, you got it. And we're like popping it back in. And we literally, I'm like, you can go watch it on the recording if you'd like to watch me just panic and melt. Um, I was like still screwing it back together as I was talking into the microphone, like, I'm so sorry, but um, I just broke this and I'm going to give you another one, but I broke this trophy that you just won. So that was a huge bummer for me. I was like, <laughs> like really uh, not great, not a great time. But they were very cool about it. So thank you to Wayne State Rugby for being cool about me breaking your trophy. I mean, that's like the kind of stuff that happens. That's like, honestly, it's like administration in a whole nutshell is like you do this whole thing. And then this is supposed to be like, this is supposed to be the joy, right? This is supposed to be kind of the thing that makes it all worth it like that's supposed to be the mo- like one of the most fun parts and then it's just like <laughs> and i was like oh son of a you know <laughs> i was like just trying to not like totally lose my mind um but they were i mean they were cool about it and i appreciate that of them but it was just like and then you just sit down afterwards and you're like i can't you know and then it's just like you just like move on and then you know and then it's you know it's supposed to be over after you're supposed to just celebrate i was like I have to take pictures of the trophy and I have to email the company. And like, you're like, God, I just wanted this to be over. <laughs> you're like, it's like, go call the trophy company. Part two, difficulties. Where NCR is right now is we're kind of in our, we're in our evolution phase of coming out of what NSCRO was. So NSCRO was National Small College Rugby Organization. So so Enscro, but the, the whole purpose of Enscro existing and was found, you know, by, with Steve Cohen was small club teams like Robert Morris, like the school that I coach at, um, were kind of getting forgotten for the bigger names like Penn State, which is where I played. So, and I will tell you just the massive difference of all kinds of things between, you know, my playing experience and the player experiences that I provide are so different. Are like so wildly different mm-hmm. and a lot of that is about like resources and access right like there's not as many students at and scrow schools there aren't as many there isn't as much funding for clubs as well right i think the biggest difference is there's always going to be a line so i actually i actually wrote like a manic journal about this so i'll just like tell you about this manic journal writing that i had like when I say this, it was just like a Google doc of, so there's always a fine, most of rugby, most people kind of define it as the haves and the have nots, right? Do you have X amount budget? Do you have a coach access to medical, uh, your own field? Do you have to share space? Do you get to buy new uniforms every year, right? There's always people who have this. And then there's people who don't have these things. Um, and then that theoretically was supposed to define who was going to be good at rugby and who wasn't. 
that was kind of like the old theory and kind of like, well, you know, so-and-so colleges are, they're small and they don't have it, so they're not good. But I will tell you, right, there's always kind of this feeling that small college rugby wasn't good quality rugby because, because they were small or club or this or whatever. And partially, I mean, I'm sure in some scale that is true in some capacity because it's a student-run club who doesn't have a lot of stuff and they have hand-me-down rugby of a captain who's played two years, can be in charge of practice, whereas you as a rookie who've been there for three weeks, no, you cannot, you know. And there's like these these social hierarchies of how club programs work. Sure. Um, But there are also teams... But in reality, there are teams who have stuff. I will just, from my experience, my club, I'm a very fortunate club coach. I get a small stipend to get to coach. So I get a little bit of money, which is nice. So I'm not, you know, digging into my pocket every time I have to drive, you know, down the turnpike or whatever. So I have a small stipend. I have a budget that covers the costs of my programs. When I ask my club sports department for something, they usually just say, sure. Uh, We get to play in our football stadium. It's really nice. It's safe. Um, And we have stuff that makes it feel like you should be good. You know what I don't have? 25 players. I've like consistently had like nine kids for like five years. I I haven't coached in a 15s game in like, probably five or six years because I don't have the kids, but because they don't want it. The the population at the school is so small. Well, our men's program, our men's program, the rival wars men shout out to them and Sean Crego, who's been coaching there a long time. They've consistently won the conference. Our conference is uh, between them and the men's programs who come out of these small schools They've gone to regionals, they've gone to nationals, they're nationally ranked because they want to win. To that, like wanting that, like pursuing the next level and the challenge and all of that, that is part of what they want. My kids don't necessarily want that. They want to come run around, they want to have fun. And there's other club programs out there who are fully student run and they show up to playoffs every year. They fundraise like crazy and they ask, you know, they're asking their alumni for money and they get on a bus for 15 hours to go to playoffs because they want to. So I think we need to have, there needs to be like more to me, more of a mind uh, shift in the way people think about rugby is like, yes, there's have and have nots, but there's also like want and want nots. And those two things don't always overlap in the same Venn diagram because there are teams who want it, but they don't have anything. And there's teams who have all kinds of stuff. And then there doesn't matter because they just like play locally and whatever. And it's a club and we do all these other things and you know, their bread is buttered and that's enough for them. So the conflict of these two things is what creates like, you know, competition imbalances and the teams who really want to play hard rugby because they want to go to playoffs and they want to do well, get frustrated with teams who don't take it as seriously and they can't, they call them on Friday and they cancel or they call them on Friday and say, Hey, like, Hey, we only have nine. Is that cool? And 
other teams are like really frustrated that like, no, we want to play. Like we want to play a real Mm -hmm. game with, you know, strict subs and because we're trying to prepare Mm -hmm. for something else. So coming out of this like post 2020, it's college rugby is really fragile. I think it, people, it's easy to just say like, well, like the pandemic hit and all this stuff. And that's why you see these game cancellations. And that's why there's holes in your schedule and this. And like, if you're like, if you're in it though, you know that this is like, this has kind of been written on the wall. It's it's a really good point. You've made me think, you've made me think a little di- like differently about um, the wants and the want nots. I think that's a really good point that doesn't get brought up a lot. And, and I can also see the writing on the walls too. Yeah. Cause you, you played club rugby, like you played college club rugby. So you like, no. Sure. Yes, I did. That's how I found it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. It's difficult. Yep. It's like, it's a difficult place. And then what my hope is what I'd like now. So we had this year, I mean, I'm making it sound, it's so, so doom and gloomy. It's not. These are just like, this is just kind of where we're at. And like, I'm like the whole point about all of this is you have to meet people where they're at. Okay. Yes. And right now it's like, some of it's good. Uh-huh. There are some pieces we can keep. Yep. And there's some pieces that just quite, they're just outdated. Uh-huh. It's not even that they are, they were not wrong in 2010 or 2015, but assuming that we can just, that was, that's what everybody wants, right? That's like where we're at. I just want to go back to normal. I just nope. want, I want the things I had before. Nope. I want to just. It wasn't working before, before though, right? It wasn't working before. So now we are presented with a cool opportunity to figure it the fuck out in a way that actually works for us. Right. Right. So, so that, right. There's two schools of thought of, which is, I just want to go back. I just want the thing that I had. I liked the thing that I had and everyone. And then, and those are kind of the, I don't want to say want nots because there's the system worked. It's kind of like all systems, like the system worked for some people. And it worked in some areas, but in other places, like it doesn't work because, you know, conference lines are, were drawn arbitrarily or your conference 10 years ago had 10 teams and now you have six. That makes your schedule and your competition very different, but you haven't changed. We haven't changed. What division are you? What, why are you in the division you are? Or can the same conference be in two divisions? Can you have a hybrid mix? Can these teams go here and these teams go there, but you all play each other because you're local? Sure. Um, and it's hard because some, there, you can see like some people really want radical. I have uh, my competitions committee, a radical group. I love them. I love having conversations with them who are like, let's burn it to the ground. This is dumb. I'm over (laughs) it. I'm like, okay, I love that. However, this is like, we have to practically apply this and you have to sell this to other people. There's always like a line where you, I was like, we have to find more of a, a middle because what I found my thought going into this year was like, if you're going to make a big change, this is the year right? Because you're coming out and it's fresh and people are ready to like get things. No, 
no, no, no, no, no. This was because too many other things, when everything around you is changing, it's kind of like, no, this is the thing I need to be the same. Because if you change the thing that I love, maybe I won't love it as much. That's fear. That's the fear. It's like clinging to something that's comfortable, but but making it uncomfortable means that we can grow and we can we can figure it out so it works better. Yeah, so it is, yeah, it's scary. Um, I find that people are, when you start talking to them, they're kind of aware of how fragile it is and they're afraid. And there's a lot of, you know, coaches and commissioners, um, shout out to, you know, all my coaches and commissioners who I talk to on a regular basis. They've spent so much time holding this together in the last couple years and they're trying so hard to find the teams that felt, you know, kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Um, there is a bit of that. They've tried, they're clinging to it so tightly. So when I say like, Hey, can you give me an inch? I want to change something. Or I have an idea. I think I was like, I know I don't live in your state, but I think if you change this, this way, this is my opinion on how you could make something better. Not everyone is like, you know, in that feedback loop, the most important part is when and how you receive your feedback. Sure. So when you're working with a group of, you know, other adults who you don't know that well, you don't know the best way to talk to everybody too. Should this be a phone call? Should this be an email? Do I have to talk to you every week or can I talk to you once a month Mm -hmm. or is a quick text or, you know, you're in a time, you're in three different time zones than me. Yeah. So sometimes I have to stay up late or you have to take a call early. Um, It's a lot different than, you know, when I was like with Pittsburgh and the Allegheny, it's like real, it was easy because like, you know, everybody, Yeah. it's your club. They're your friends. It's your teammates. Mm-hmm. And you see everybody all the time, but when you're trying to like, once you start really zooming out, you're like, oh, like the only way that I can fix Michigan is if Ohio and Indiana are okay with that too, because I need their help. Or, you know, something's happening in Missouri, but that affects Kansas and Nebraska and Illinois. And so you have to, it's like this constant chain of being like, hey, I talked to this person. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can we move this? And uh, I mean, it's a lot. And this is why people don't raise their hands at meetings because like it's hard and it's time consuming. And most of the time you call people, you know, and like sometimes uh, people don't want to and they think you're in, they don't agree with you and they, no one is shy to tell you that they don't agree with you. That's for sure. So, but you know, we're still steering the boat. All that coordination when you zoomed out and having having all these different rugby unions cooperate in order to make changes has been a really big challenge. Yeah, people are people can be a little territorial over their things. And it's really just it's not even as much as um Sometimes regionally people are okay, but it now the way that it was before in a lot of places was so in the before times when it was just NSCRO was small college and then everyone else was, you know, D1 and D2, they didn't, not all places were administered together because they had kind of different, you know, they had different organizations. So we're trying to combine territories, but we're also trying to combine the wants and needs of two different groups who aren't really used to working together. 
bringing the small colleges and the larger schools together, the larger schools have things that they want to be done differently than the way that the small college is done, but maybe the small college doesn't want to change that thing. So we're always, so we keep trying to find this balance of like, we're trying to keep everyone happy, right? Cause we're, we're a customer service company. That's what we do. This is customer service. You have a choice. You don't have to be a member of NCR. So if you want to keep your customers happy, you have to find ways to give a little, get a little, um, and balancing the needs and wants of people who could be very different, right? Part three, forgotten. I think that's what we all learned in 2020 is that no rugby sucks. Yeah. No option to play sucks. And everyone like coaches and admit, like there was such a long time where all I was doing, it was just phone calls and emails and and you're just doing all this stuff you're trying to make something out of nothing and it was so exhausting and you're like this sucks I was like this sucks but then when we got to like our first actual in-person event you're like oh right I remember there's game I remember Mm -hmm. right I remember now Mm -hmm. that this is fun um Yeah. yeah I mean it's just like I mean it's it's fun it's like supposed to be fun and it's really funny too because I think about all the tournaments and events and places that I went when I was like college and places we played and whatever. And even as an adult, even it's with Pittsburgh and stuff and you don't really think about it, but I like, you know, here's check-in, here's my ID. Okay. Whatever. The kids who show up to these events, they, they are all right. Everybody, you know, getting alphabetical order. They're hustling. They're like, you're you're a D get back get back you know they're shouting at each other because they want they're so excited and they're all hi smarto hi smarto and I'm like and it's like so funny and I and then every I have to it's so cute and then every weekend I'm like I have to be like guys I don't I have like internet so I have social media boundaries that like you cannot be my Facebook friend until you are a graduate of college I just think that that's and then like you're just like you're a player on a team like I don't know you but yep. they're so cute because they find you on the internet and they want to be your internet friend. Yeah. Because that's what Zoomers do. I'm yeah. like, well, good for them. Looking, they also look up to you too and they they, they love rugby so much that they appreciate you. That must feel good. It, yeah. I always joke like, like I do great with praise. So like they're just, hi. <laughs> and they're always like, they always go, hi, Smarto. Hi. Hi, Smarto. And I'm like, hi, guy. And they always, ah. they're just like really excited and it just like makes you, you know, mm-hmm. excited to be there. And that's our show for today. I'm holding on to joy for next week, as well as a conversation on how we as alumni can help our collegiate teams. Stay tuned until next week for the season finale. Thanks for being here, y'all. Bye.